Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, your live connection to the information for a healthy body, an enlightened mind, and a renewed spirit. Good morning, and welcome to the Blessings with Selene show. For all of you who are listening, wherever you are, I want to wish you the kind of day when everything flows easily and you feel in sync with the universe. We all have had those kind of days when it feels to us that nothing is going well. No matter how hard we try, everything that we do seems to go wrong, and we nod our days, our heads in frustration, right? You know what I'm talking about. Well, let's not have one of those kind of days today, okay? So we're going to start on a positive note. Let's begin by taking a pen and paper and writing down, but if you don't want to write, then just think about all the things we feel blessed about. Our loved ones without whom our lives would not be the same. Our friends who are always there for us. Our co-workers and bosses who understand us and appreciate us. The people that we're in a relationship with. The material things we have, such as our home, cars, electricity, running water, clothes, shoes, and food to eat, our health, and so forth. Let us fill our hearts with a deep sense of gratitude for everything that we have in our lives. And in this way, face the day with our love tank full, our hearts full of gratitude. Can you see what a difference this makes in our hearts? I don't know about you, but I feel a sort of warmth in my heart area after I do this. This is a very, very powerful practice that we can do every day to help us set the tone for the day as a positive one. And we can improve on this by extending this practice to bedtime as well. I invite you to try this and see if it makes a difference in the quality of your life. Now, but what about if your heart is heavy because you have suffered the loss of a loved one? If you find it hard to feel grateful at this time, if you feel that your love tank is spent, if all you can think about is how much you have lost, what then? Well, first of all, know that this is understandable and normal, but also know that you can help yourself by beginning to use this practice too. I call this the blessing your child or blessing your loved one practice. And what you do is that every morning before you get out of bed, you begin to bless your child or your loved one, the one who passed away, for sharing his or her life with you for the time that they did, for their joy, their laughter, personality, their warmth, their compassion, their caring brought to your life, for the honor that it was to have had them in your life, for trusting you with their caring, for loving you as they did. And as you dwell on blessing, your heart will begin to feel warmer and warmer 
and your love tank will begin to get fuller and fuller. And as you step out of bed, you will feel much better and much more ready to begin your day than if you have been dwelling on what you have lost. Begin to do this every morning before you get out of bed and every night before you turn out the light in bed. And you will be taking a big step towards transforming the way grief affects you. I encourage you to begin to try this very powerful practice. The truth is that we, human beings, do not spend much time reflecting. And because of this, we suffer. So what do I mean by this? I mean that if we made it our priority to spend a few minutes, even just 15 minutes of quiet time every day, we would realize that our minds are running us. And once we realize this, and we become aware of the kind of thoughts that are churning in our minds, we can take steps to change them if necessary. And this is quite important when it comes to us, the ones who are grieving. Because for some of us, our thoughts become sort of obsessive. We just cannot stop certain scenes, certain images, certain words from flooding our minds over and over again. For others of us, we just cannot stop ourselves from immersing in activity after activity in order to distract ourselves, in order to not allow any painful thoughts to enter our minds. So what can we do? Well, no matter whether you belong to the first group, the ones who cannot stop the painful thoughts from coming, or the second group, the ones who have to keep very busy in order to not allow the painful thoughts or memories to enter their minds, the thing to do is to stop. Take 15 minutes every day to reflect, to get in touch with what you are doing and why. Because this is the very first step towards regaining a measure of control over our lives. Knowledge is power, right? We cannot do anything about it if we don't have the knowledge about what is causing the issue. So if we don't know what it is that we're doing, that is giving us more pain or that is keeping us in a bad feeling state, we cannot do anything about it. That is why it is essential to take time for reflection. And this is true whether we are grieving the loss of a child or a loved one or not. This is just essential for all of us in life. And this was one of the lessons the loss of my son Christopher taught me. Before his death, I would say, that I was just going through the motions in life. I was letting life live me instead of living my life fully. I was getting up each morning, taking care of my children, cleaning my house, making meals, picking my children up from school, making dinner, watching some TV at night, giving the kids a bath and reading them books and going to bed. And then repeating this routine day after day. But was I taking any time to reflect? To get in touch with the kind of thoughts I was thinking? To get in touch with how deeply unhappy I was? No, I was not. Sure, at some level I knew that I was unhappy, but I felt that there was nothing I could do about it at the time. So I chose, at some level, to not deal with it. And I think that I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who does this. 
Are you like me? If so, listen well to what I'm saying. It was only after my son's death that I began to truly ponder about what life is about. When I began to think that life is too short to spend it being miserable, when I began to see that we don't really know for how long we're going to have our loved ones with us, when I got in touch with the fact that we live under the illusion that we're going to live forever, because contemplating the fact that we or our loved ones can die at any time is something that we cannot face. Does this resonate with you, with any of you who are listening this morning? Well, what I realized was that I had checked out of life long before my son died and that his death sparked within me the eye-opening realization that we're meant to live fabulously happy lives, lives in which we feel fulfilled, cherished, loved to the max, lives in which we're happy to face each day knowing that what we do makes us happy. And that, not only that, it makes a difference in the world. Lives in which we accept and love ourselves for the unique and special beings that we are. And we accept and love all others for their uniqueness as well. Lives in which we don't wait to tell others how much they mean to us and how much we love them. No, we tell them at every opportunity because we are rooted in the awareness that we may not see them again because life is not guaranteed. Life is a gift and it can be lost at any given moment. When you hear me say these words, do you feel a sense of urgency? If you do, it's because we are meant to live our lives with that sense of urgency, with that sense of intensity, that there is not a minute to be wasted. So what does that mean? It means that we don't want to waste our time with complaining over and over again about things if we can do something about them. It means that we don't put off for later projects, trips, experiences that we can take care of today, that we do not put off for later, those things that give us joy, that we begin, it also means that we begin to write that book that we have been talking about for years, that we begin to take steps to follow our joy, our passion on weekends, so that at some point we can follow our passion every day and make a living while doing it. It means that we tell our children every day and at every opportunity we have that our lives are better and brighter because they are here. That we tell them that we love the way they laugh or sing or play soccer. That we begin to connect with the fact that our parents did the best they could and that even if they were not able to fulfill our needs, we begin to, forget, to forgive them because in forgiving them, we're being loving towards ourselves. Why? Because we choose to let go of all resentments. And so we're able to tell our parents or anybody who has, who has not um, filled the needs that we had, we tell them, thank you. We tell our parents, thank you for bringing us into the world. And we begin to consciously plant positive seeds in the garden of our minds by doing practices such as the blessing your child 
or blessing your loved one practice or blessing everything that you have in your life, it would be much deeper if we didn't have those things. And we do this in order to experience a more loving and open heart. And as a result, we begin to experience a more loving world. So I hope that you see that by plugging in, if we plug in to our lives in this way, we can change our whole experience. And I hope that you do that and that you reflect on how you are living your life at this time and that you do this not in order to feel bad about yourself. Any of these things, checking out, um, trying not to feel our feelings, those are just ways that we as human beings use to protect ourselves because we cannot deal with things. And they're okay to do those things for a, for a while, but not for all of our lives. I mean, we can do that. We can certainly choose to do that. But what I'm pointing out here is that we have other options. We can do that for, for a certain amount of time and then choose to take baby steps, you know, one at a time to plug back into life. Because we miss out on so much if we, if we check out, okay? So I don't want you to feel bad about yourself if you are right now not uh, getting in touch with yourself, if you're not taking time to reflect. You know, the vast majority of us are not doing that. But the whole point is if you begin to do that, even five minutes every morning and every night, you begin to shine a light that will point you in the right direction so that you too can begin to live your life in a way that is conducive to true fulfillment and joy. And isn't that what we want? That's what we all want if we ask ourselves. We want to feel fulfilled. We want to feel loved. We want to love others. In order to do that, of course, we have to love ourselves first. And what, what is the, the biggest thing that we can do in order to experience all of this? Take time to reflect. Take, take time to get in touch with yourself. Take time to be grateful and to kind of take stock on all the blessings that you have. Okay? And you're probably wondering, well, I can believe if you're someone who has lost a, a child or a, a loved one, you're probably thinking, I can, I can believe the part about true fulfillment by joy. Can I ever feel joy after losing my child or my loved one? Is that ever possible? Well, the answer is that it's your choice. Is it possible? Yes. But it's up to you. It's up to us whether it will happen or not. And the way I see it is many parents tell me that they know they know that they will never be happy again after losing their child. But the truth of the matter is their child does not want them to be suffering for the rest of their life. No. Their child, our children, want what they want is for us to be happy. So we can choose to be miserable or we can choose to be happy. And this one, this applies to anyone who has suffered the loss of a loved one, not just the loss of a child. Now, I think that what happens when, when, you know, people say, I will never be able to be happy again, I think that it has to do with how we define the word happy. The happy after our loss 
will not be the same happy as before our loss. And why is that? Because we have been intrinsically changed by the loss. Because our worldview and our lives are profoundly, profoundly different from what they were before our loss. It's not possible that we will be happy in the same way. Before our loss, we were innocent of the knowledge that something so terrible as our loss could happen. But now we know better. We're wiser. And we're also scarred from our battle. But we can still choose to be happy again. Not in the same way. But a different sort of happiness is achievable. And most importantly, it is what our loved ones want for us. Does this touch a chord with you? Or do you, are you asking yourself, well, how do you know? How do you know that that's what our loved ones want for us? Well, let's think about this. Why would you think that our loved ones, and maybe you don't, this has not happened to you, but to some of us, um, our loved ones send us signs and messages all the time. It could be uh, that they love rainbows, and then when you are, like, really sad and missing your loved one, a huge double rainbow appears. And you feel deep in your heart that that's your loved one giving you that message. Or that your, like in my case, my son loved God's light, those rays of light that come filtering through the clouds. And um, driving back after his funeral, I have never seen such a, a display of God's light. It just spanned the whole sky that I could see. And I knew that was him telling us, you know, I'm fine. I'm okay. Don't worry about me. Be happy. Okay? But what do you think that, I, what, besides these kind of signs, what do you think that they do that? They try to send us those things. And that they send those things when we're sad, when we're heartbroken, when we're feeling that we cannot go on. Because they don't want us to suffer. They're trying to alleviate our suffering. They want us to realize that they are okay, they are fine, they're in another realm, and they want us to be happy as much as we can be. We can be just as happy and carefree as we were before. But when they left, when our loved ones left this world, they were freed from all of the physical constraints that we have. And their souls are free in every way. No more suffering, only love as an ever-present experience. And they want the same for us, but in the physical realm. So do you hear me? Do you accept this? Or do you think I'm making this up? Well, I'm not making this up. And this is where, like, one of the biggest lessons that I learned from, from losing my child comes in. I was a very, um, how would you say, like a thinking person. More, more of a thinking person than a feeling person. And um, so I had a hard time believing with things that I couldn't feel or touch, you know, or, or you know, explain in scientific ways. But during the whole um, journey of the, everything that was happening with my son, while he was still alive, I started to 
like an opening, um, like a door opened, and I began to get in touch with my intuition. And I, the only way I can explain it is that I, like I had, like I, like an inner voice or an inner knowingness that was like speaking to me, you know, and that I felt a connection with. And that was just the beginning. The, the, it was just like little, little things. And I called those experiences that I had during his illness and then after his death had continued, um, spirit whispers. It felt to me like spirit was whispering in my ear, was, was telling me, guiding me. And I wrote a book um, about this. Um, in 2015 called Gifts from the Storm, How I Came to Trust in Spirit. And I wrote it under a pen name, um, Camilla Abbott, because um, it, it, it was a, it's a memoir. So it talks about my life and the, the people around it, and I wanted to protect their, you know, their identity. So, but anyways, um, Spirit Whispers are throughout that book, and that's a way for me to kind of um, explain um, how intuition came, intuition came knocking, you know, at the door of my, my heart, you know, so that I could connect with it. And so it's been that intuition, that intuitive knowledge that has continued to develop during the, the grief process. And it's now it'll be 22 years in November since my, my son passed away. And it has continued to become stronger and stronger as, as I have continue to nurture it. And it is intuitively, it is an intuitive knowing that I have that this is what our children and our loved ones want for us. And I'll, I'll tell you another story. This is a little story that, that happened quite a while ago. But, um, and probably some of you, if you had lost a child or a loved one, have felt, have been curious. Like if before you went um, open to going to see a psychic or a medium or for somebody to read your card, now you're kind of like, I'm curious because I, you know, I want to feel connected to my loved one. So quite a few years back, I spoke with a medium. And during our session, my son Christopher came through and he told me through her, that he was so thankful to me for letting him go so that he could continue to grow spiritually. And I was very puzzled by this. You know, I, I thought, of course, well, of course I let go of him. I had no other choice. He was dying. And so I it just stay, I just kind of like put it in, a, in my mind, you know, left it there, just kind of mulling over it. What did he mean by that? So that he continued to grow spiritually. Well, fast forward a few months, actually almost a year later, and as I was training as an angel intuitive, my teacher shared with us that when we allow our grief to take over our lives and stop us from functioning fully in our lives, it can block our loved ones from their own spiritual growth where they are. And she went on to say that the greatest favor that we can do for someone who has passed away is to heal our hearts of grief. Well, isn't that interesting? Now Christopher's message through the medium made total sense. He was thanking me for letting go of the hold grief had over me. 
Well, let's talk now about the word heal, like heal our grief. So the best thing that we can do for someone who has passed away is to heal our hearts of grief. That's what my teacher said. So, so what, what does that mean? Well, heal in this sense does not mean that we won't feel grief any longer or that we will forget our loved ones. Heal in this context means even though we will always grieve for our loved one, choose to take healthy steps so that we can function better in our lives. Because we know that if we don't, all the people we love will be affected negatively. Our children, our spouse, our partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, our friends, and our family, our work will also suffer, not to mention ourselves. There's just so much misery that we can take. There's so much heaviness, so much grief, so much sadness, so much pain that our heart can take. Our, our physical health may deteriorate, our emotional health may deteriorate, our spiritual health may deteriorate. So let's understand that when my teacher said that the best thing we can do for our loved ones is to heal our grief, is this is what she meant, okay? We will always grieve because we're humans. We're not spirits. We, we have the choice to be happy again, but not the same way that our loved ones who are in spirit now are happy in a different way, in a earthy, in, in, a, in, in a way that people who are rooted on earth, human beings, can be after such a devastating, you know, loss. But we can have it experience a different kind of happiness, as I have mentioned before. And you know that these are the kinds of things that are not being taught in our society. Nobody talks about life in the larger, or at least not many people talk about life in the larger context. Because some, some, there are some people who do. And... Not many people talk about the fact that we're spiritual beings having a physical experience and not the other way around. We are very much in touch with our physicality, but not so much with our spirituality, don't you think? And I don't mean you personally, I mean society as a whole. If you look at the media, if you look at the money in, the, in, the, in countries, you know, where the money goes? It goes to, to the health care system, you know, it goes to, um, you know, the, the different um, ways to, to keep our country safe, you know, the arms, the weapons, you know, things like that. It goes to running our different uh, systems that we have in society. There isn't as much on nurturing our spirituality, on uh, teaching us or pointing out to us how there is more, there is more than the physical, there is more than this, and that there are things that we can strive for that can really make our experience as a human being be just ecstatic, be just an, an ecstatic experience. So what can we do? Well, let's just, let's just go through a little kind of uh, imagination exercise with me. I think we can begin by trying to imagine that we are a bird. We're a bird, we're birds, and we're high up in the sky, way up. And we're looking at human beings 
from, from that standpoint. See how much larger a view we get? See how insignificant we are as human beings? Now let's go even farther. Let's imagine that we're astronauts on a mission to Mars and are looking at the planet Earth as we drift farther and farther. See how tiny our planet is? See what a tiny speck we are in this whole universe? What does this exercise do to you? Don't you feel more expansive? Doesn't it spark questions within you about why are we here? What are we meant to do? Well, this is what happens to me whenever I do this. And whenever I'm feeling really stuck, whenever we are feeling really stuck in our lives, just like nothing is working out, and when we're stuck in negative thinking, which we all do at some point or another, um, we, this is a good way to get out of it, to just step away from our own selves and just try to get the bird's eye view or the astronaut's eye view, you know, or the angels, you even go further, the angels, the celestial beings' side view, God's view. And it really puts in perspective our problems, our issues, our concerns, our worries, you know, and it, it really... Um, kind of uh, generate all this um, curiosity and all these questions and all this soul searching as to what is life all about. So the reason, you know, for me to talk about this exercise is because one of the effects of losing a child or a loved one is that it can be like a wake-up call for us, telling us that it is time to wake up to life, that it is time for us to take the bird's-eye view or the astronaut's view of life, that it is time for us to make some big changes in our lives. It could be changes in the way we think, in our priorities, uh, in the way that we look at life, in our relationships, in our jobs, etc. But that it is time to get in touch with the reason, the bigger reason why we came into this world. Do you believe that before we came into this world, we chose our divine mission in life and that our souls want to fulfill that mission most of all? Well, I do believe this. And I also believe that when we have big shakes up in our lives, big events in our lives, it could be that an earthquake destroys our life, that um, our car gets stolen, our house gets broken into, um, floods ruin, ruin our place of work, um, our child dies, our, our husband dies. It could be any, any, we lose all of our money in a business that we have just put all of our energies and our efforts in. Those are big shakeups in our lives. And they serve as a reminder that we, that we may have unknowingly strayed from our divine life mission and that it is time for us to get in touch with this. Have you ever been deep in sleep and all of a sudden you hear a loud gong or a bell that awakens you with a start? Well, these big shakeups 
such as the loss of a child or a loved one, are like that loud gong that awakens up, awakens up from our dream state. And this is a very good analogy because the message is that we have been dreaming our lives away, that we have not been living our divine life mission that we came into this world to fulfill. So the message is to awaken, to open our eyes to a bigger reality. And you're probably asking yourself, how am I supposed to do that? Well, we can start by taking some time daily for reflection, for getting in touch with ourselves, with what we're feeling, with, with what our heart's deepest desires are, with what our dreams are. I encourage journaling as a way of getting in touch with ourselves. And once we have been journaling for a while, we can begin to realize whether we're aligned with our divine life mission or not. Chances are that we find out that we're not just yet. But as we continue to incorporate reflection into our daily routine, we will come to the realization of what we can do to make a difference in the world while bringing a special kind of joy to our hearts. I hope that you see why reflection is essential to our, well, to our well-being. And there are many, many people out there who can, who can attest to this. Those very same people, they have written books to chronicle their journey from unawareness to awareness and how they took steps to lead more fulfilling and happier lives as a result of their experience of loss. Now, I know that seems incomprehensible, and it would seem incomprehensible to me had I been listening to me uh, if I had just lost my child, let's say two years after the loss of my child. I think that it would, this would seem to me incomprehensible. However, as time goes on, the, kind of like the, the lessons and the, the messages that come from the divine, if we're open to intuition, they, they kind of become deeper and we're able to absorb them more. And then they don't, this what I'm talking to you about, it begins to make sense to you. So some of those books that people have written, they have been written by people who have had near-death experiences. Have you read any of those books? I have read several, and I find them fascinating, and I find them so inspiring because they have been privy this, these people that have had these this near-death experiences have been privy to an experience no many of us get to have. That is to experience themselves out of their body as they watch their physical body being manipulated by doctors and medical staff that are trying to bring them back to life, while at the same time they're communicating with the spiritual realm as to why it is that they need to go back back to, to the world, to their physical self. Every single person whose book I have read who have had this experience has not wanted to come back into this world, has begged to stay in the spiritual world, but has very much wanted to stay there. But isn't that something you would think that after reading such books, we will begin to feel less fear of dying. But that does not seem to be the case because, you know, it's the fear of the unknown. We don't know exactly how, what happens, 
how you feel to us. So that's what keeps the fear going. But to me, I have to say that it is very comforting, soothing, and it feels very loving to think of feeling engulfed in such a cocoon of love as those who have had a near-death experience feel. But the point is, the point I'm trying to make with this, with this story about the near-death experiences is that after they have had that experience, these people, they return with a different perspective on life. And let me tell you, they make a choice too. They could, they could um, return with a different perspective on life and keep that for the rest of their life, or they could keep it for just a little while and then forget about it. There's always choices involved. But they, they do share that they have like a, an awakening and they majority of them, their priorities change and they have a clear idea, a more clear idea of what their mission in life is. So the near-death experience was for them their big shake-up event, much as the loss of a child or a loved one is for us. Do you see? Now, this is important, what I'm going to say right now. I'm not saying that our losses happened in order for us to be shaken into awareness. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when these big shakeups happen, they present us with an opportunity to awaken. So they open the door. They kind of cracked us open and we have the opportunity to awaken, to open our eyes to a bigger reality, which requires different things from us, different habits, different outlooks, different priorities, different coping mechanisms. You know, all of a sudden we may, um, and I have mentioned this before in other shows, in other ones of the shows, that we may be, if we were shy, and soft-spoken, we may become like super, you know, outspoken and just tell it like it is. And I don't care what anybody thinks about me. And um, if we were materialistic, all of a sudden the material things don't do anything for us because we feel that this is not what I want to do with my time. This is, this is not what gives me joy anymore. Um, if we were kind of like homebodies and didn't really like to go out in nature, all of a sudden we just thriving in nature and we do anything that we can to get out there. So there are many, many, many ways in which we're changed. But I hope that this makes any sense to you. I sincerely hope that it does. But if not, if it doesn't, I hope that at least it gives you food for thought this week. That's my sincere hope. So I think that now I'm going to just go ahead and kind of, um, you know, just review some of the points I have been making uh, during the show. So the, the first point that I made was that I encourage anyone who is listening to either take pen and paper and write down or just all of the, the blessings that they have right now present in their life, all of the things, all of the people, all of the circumstances, that, that you feel blessed with in your life and to get in touch with how, how dwelling 
just just kind of like flooding your mind, flooding your thoughts with with that sense of gratitude and that connection with the blessing that all these things, people and circumstances bring in your life, how that changes like your it changes your brain chemistry and then as a result your emotional, your feeling state changes. And so you feel a warm in your heart and you feel that are like a being filled with gratitude and with love. And if you start your day like that, what a difference it can make. Don't you think? And we can also do that at the end of the day when we're in bed. You know, we get in bed, turn the lights off, and then just spend five minutes just doing that, just consciously, purposely, just dwelling on the blessings that you do have. And that, what that does is that it completely pushes aside, completely pushes aside the worries, concerns, and anything that was in your mind. It kind of cleans it. It cleanses it. So that's what you do. You cleanse it detoxify it, you know, from anything that's negative and brings in just a very loving kind of like um, kind of cocoon to your, to, your, to your brain, to your mind. And that affects you in such a positive way. So I suggested that we begin our day doing this and also bedtime. And why not? If doing it one time is good, then twice is even better, Right. So then from then, I moved on to um, talking about, for those of us who have lost a child or, or have lost a loved one, we can use this practice of blessing, the blessing your child or blessing your loved one practice um, every morning as well. Before you even get out your feet out of bed, just dwell for however long you need on blessing that person that you have lost. Just blessing all the things that made them precious to you. All of the personality quirks, you know, the goofiness, reminisce about all the things that just, just touch your heart, but with love, that bring a smile to your face. Just bless the fact that you had that person with you for however long it was. It could have been that you had that you that you actually were expecting a child and then after after a month you know your child you lost the child you can bless the fact that you had that child inside of you for a month or that you had a child and your child lived until he was 25 and then was taken you know and for those 25 years you got to enjoy that wonderful loving presence and have that experience. Or, or you were married and your, your wife was just the light of your life and she was with you for, let's say, 37 years. And you choose, you can choose consciously to dwell on the blessing that it was, basically the, half, the glass half full rather than the, gla- the glass half empty. That's another way to put this, this practice, you know, you're choosing to see the, the, the glass half full when you do this. And that transforms, transforms the way that you feel completely. If you do this on a regular basis, I tell you that you will feel 
a huge difference in the, the hold that grief has on you. There will be a lessening, a loosening of that hold that grief has on you. So I think that this is something that will be, um, that I encourage any of those of you who are listening to, to start practicing it and see how, how it works. If, and also, let's keep in mind this, to be kind to yourself. If you begin to do this and you start crying, then that's not helping you. So there's always perfect timing and divine timing. So this, this may not be the time to start doing this. But the time will come when you can do this. Instead of being filled with sadness, you will allow a little crack in your grief for, for, for gratitude and for a, an acknowledgement of all those blessings for that period of time, for those five minutes. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have, you're not going to cry, you're not going to have periods of sadness later on, but you can start your day that way. You can end your day that, day that way. And when you're feeling like really, really sad during the day, you can also turn around that feeling state by using this practice, by consciously just changing your thoughts to blessing, blessing what you had for as long as you had it and choosing to do that. And then, so after I talked about these, these practices, I also started talking about the fact that healing our grief does not mean that we stop grieving. And um, it means that we don't allow grief to stop us from functioning effectively in our lives. It's because when we, when we are um, just kind of like a, and trust me, I've been there, just like a... Uh, like a guinea pig in one of those wheels, they just go run and run and run and run and run and run. We don't know how to get out of it, to jump out of it. That is what happens when we're grieving and we are just caught in the, in the, in the negative cycle of um, what we have lost, how much we're in pain and how much we're suffering, and we don't know how to get out of it. And we can still experience pain and suffering, but at the same time, we can also jump out of it. And we can begin little by little by doing practices such as the ones that I mentioned, blessing, blessing, um, how do you say that, dwelling, um, making sure that we just focus our thoughts on the blessings that we have in life or the blessings that, that our child meant to us or the blessing that our loved one who passed away meant to us. I also um, described for a brief period that um, when I was training as an angel intuitive, I learned that our loved ones, they are grateful when we're able to let go of our grief, of our suffering, because it allows them to continue to grow spiritually in the realm that they are. Now, they, you know, they want us to be happy. However, they also, they see the big picture, and they know that we are here, we're in our bodies. So it's not so easy it's not so easy to let go of grief. It's not like, oh, yeah, I'm going to let go of grief today. No. So it's not that I'm mentioning this not because I want anybody to feel bad that they're suffering and that they're, you know, somehow not allowing their loved one to grow spiritually. I'm just mentioning that because it's important. I think we love our 
we love our the person who has passed away so much that we want to feel connected to them. And if we're to begin to feel connected to, to our loved one, we need to also pay attention to the messages that they're giving us. And so the most important thing to keep in mind is not that, you know, it's good to let go of the grief because it helps them grow spiritually. The most important thing is that they want us to be happy. They are free, and they want us to be free from suffering. They are free from suffering, and they want the same for us. Doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that kind of like resonate with your heart as something that your loved one would want for you? Well, that's how I feel. I feel that very, very strongly, like a real, like deep knowingness that is unshakable, that love is eternal. It never dies. It didn't die when a loved one dies. And so that love that we have for our child or for our loved one can help, can inform us as to how to, um, how to release ourselves from the from the painful cycle of grief and how to give ourselves permission to be happy. The love of our child or our loved one is telling us, want you to be happy. And it makes sense. It makes sense. Because that's what happens when we love, right? We want each other to be happy. And uh, let me see. The last thing that I talked about was um, the importance of taking time daily for reflection. And, you know, I know this is hard because our lives are so hectic. We, have, we are juggling so many balls, you know, in our hands that sometimes we don't know. We don't know about how many of them have fallen and how many are still in our hands, you know. But even if we just did five minutes, you know, five minutes when we get in the car before we start our car, before we go to work, five minutes, you know, that we just kind of sit there and get in touch with ourselves. How am I feeling today? Am I feeling scattered? Am I feeling, you know, peppy? Am I feeling happy? Um, you know, is there anything bothering me? Am, am I resenting something my husband said to me? Uh, am I worried about my daughter? You know, whatever it may be, get in touch with it. And if we don't take the time to do that, to kind of like touch base with us and go, hey, you know, how is it going? Um, then we live our lives um, and we're not, you know, we're not plugged in fully. We can't really get a complete and clear direction of where we're going. Once we get in touch, we can just say, oh, okay, you know what? I'm feeling bad because I said something that I think it might have hurt my, my son's feelings. So when I get back from work, I'm going to make sure to just go right to him and tell him, you know, honey, I didn't mean this. This is what I meant. Okay? That's very different than if we're not allowing the, the awareness of what's going on in our feeling, in our heart, you know, in our thoughts, to, to simmer into our consciousness. That's the powerful thing about reflection. Okay? Or you can ask yourself, gosh, am I... Am I happy with my job or do I really would like to do something else in my life? But if you don't get in touch with that and realize, geez, I'm miserable at this job and maybe there are other options, then you cannot do something about it to change your life, you know, or am I doing a good job as a wife, you know, 
am I, you know, just not really into this anymore? Can I do something? Maybe we, you know, maybe I need to talk to my husband about counseling. Anyways, do you see how taking that time, taking that um, time of self-care, you know, it's kind of like if you get to the office, you check in with your secretary, let's say, you are a business person. You check in with your secretary and say, hey, so what's going on in this day? Well, just, just think that you need to get, get in touch every day with your inner secretary. Just, you can think about it that way. And getting in touch with that can have a huge, huge impact in your life because it will give you direction. It will give you clarity. You know, it'll, and it will allow you to get to the point where you're able to take active steps to transform your life for the better. And this is whether you have experienced a loss of a loved one or a child or not. This applies to anyone, to anyone in our lives. So that this is, this is something that I feel very passionate about. I'm sure that you can tell, <laughs> but, um, I also mentioned something else, that when big events happen in our lives, like a tsunami hit our lives, is the way I would look at it, like a tsunami-sized event hits us, a major thing, like we have to, we go bankrupt, you know, our house is foreclosed, it goes into foreclosure. Um, we, uh, we have a child who we adore, and our child dies in a car accident or dies in, uh, of cancer like my child did or your spouse whom you loved and adore all of a sudden, you know, has an affair and it just breaks your heart or these are devastating events. They really are. And so when they happen, they present an opportunity for us to awaken to a bigger to a different way of looking at life, to a different way of living our lives, okay? I have experienced this. What I'm sharing with you is basically the insights that I gain from my experience after losing my son. And after that happened, I realized that Lots of things came into focus, of course, throughout the years. Like, it didn't happen just like this. But just throughout the years, as I continued to chip away at how I was feeling and what I needed and all that, I began to realize that, you know, we, we came here for a bigger purpose. That's something that we're not raised with. You know, like when you, when I was growing up, my parents weren't saying, you know, you as a soul, you chose, you chose what kind of, less, what kind of things were going to happen in your life, what kind of big things were going to happen in your life, and that, you know, you, you already had a mission in your life, something that you needed to do for you to grow spiritually. Have you ever heard a parent say that to a child? Well, my parents didn't do that. Nobody told me that. I had no idea what, what parents usually typically do unless they are, they are you know, they have awakened. Um, 
What parents usually do is they, they love their child with all their hearts and they try to guide them in life, but, but it's the earthly life of how you can make a living, how important it is to go to school, and, you know, they worry about us and they, they love us with all their heart. But the, the bigger picture, the bigger awareness is really not, at least not all by the, the majority of parents. And there may be some parents who do do that, but that's not the vast majority. So I learned little by little that this, this, uh, this experience, as hard as it was, had something to teach me. And that those lessons could help others whether they have lost someone or not, because they apply to our whole life, to the fact that we are, that li- we're not here to suffer. You know, like I, in, in the religion that I was raised in, there was the, you know, it was all about suffering and it was all about guilt. And I, I can't anymore relate to that because I feel that the, the love that God has, that the universe has for us, that the angels have for us, is so unconditionally, so unconditionally loving that there is no room for guilt. There is no room for suffering. What is wanted, what they want from us, for us, is for us to experience heaven on earth. That's what they want, for us to to connect with a bigger reality, connect with, with God, connect with the angels, connect with the, the ones who have died. And by doing different things like this, like some of the practices that I have mentioned today. Okay? So this is all for today. And if you would like to find out more about me, please feel free to email me at Selene Negrete, author yahoo.com or you can also check out my website at www.notyourusualgriefbook.com or you can also look me up on Facebook at Selene Negrete Author so I look forward to our next to our show which will be next Thursday from 10 to 11 and I want to take the time to thank you to express my gratitude to you for tuning in and listening to me today. And I want to wish a great week to everyone. Take care.